Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me if you're watching on YouTube please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies you have consent and while you're smashing let me remind you what we got going on over a 10 week span it's called the summer shoot around it's a series during which we'll focus on 20 notable teams over a span of 10 weeks two per week 20 teams in 10 weeks and we're doing the schools in alphabetical order uh, we've already knocked out Alabama Arizona Arkansas Auburn now we turn our attention to Baylor, the Bears went 27-7 and last season, finished tied with Kansas atop the Big 12 standings. Got a one seed in the NCAA tournament, lost to North Carolina in the round of 32. From that team, Baylor lost James Akinjo, Matthew Meyer, Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan. So four of the top six scores. But the Bears are bringing back Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, Flo Thamba, Del Bonner. That's four of the top nine scores. They're also adding five-star freshman Keontae George and West Virginia transfer Jalen Bridges. I've got Baylor ranked seventh in the CBS Sports Top 25 and one. We'll see what Deadleg thinks of Scott Drew's Bears next. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, Deadleg. I've got Baylor ranked seventh in the top 25 and one. That makes the Bears my pick to win at least a share of the Big 12 for the third straight season. You down with that or are you about to disrespect Huck? Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I might have to do a little disrespect to Huck. Maybe not, though. Uh, Scott Drew's done the unthinkable here. He won a national title and taken Baylor from a place where it was once not a top 100 job in the country to now being among the best programs in the sport. The average ranking for Ken Palm at Baylor over the past six seasons, 15. If you narrow that down, the past three seasons, Baylor's average ranking is third. And if you do the past five seasons, it's the number five program overall in Ken Palm. That's unreal. We mention it with regularity, but it, it just bears repeating it. It would be... 
it would really be like, well, I mean, I guess you could technically say Baylor football, but, uh, you know, or like Cal football, like getting to a, to a place where it's regularly competing for a national championship. It's unthinkable. Scott Drew's done an amazing job there. The past three seasons, Baylor is 81 and 13 with a national title, two one seeds, and would have had a third one seed if they played in the 2020 NCAA tournament. My question with Baylor this year specifically is how good can it be? Uh, has it And has it reached that level? Like, it's been really, really good. Is this going to be the season where basically our expectations annually going forward for Scott Drew's program is a viable top 10 outfit on a yearly basis here, right? Um, if he can get this team to do it, be one, two, or three seed material, which you think it is, then the answer will be yes. It's obviously possible. We will see if it happens. They lose James Akinjo, who was fine. Uh, they lose Matthew Meyer, who went to Illinois. He GP, as you well know, he was he was a bit up and down. Jeremy Sohan, top 10 in the draft, uh, did a little everything. He's now gone. And Kendall Brown, who faded as the season went on. So they do have to retool, rebuild. They've got some pieces we'll get into. You mentioned Keontae George. Uh, I'm not sure this team has more collective talent than last year's group, but it feels close. And the reason it's close is probably Keontae George floors yours here because he could be a revelation in Waco, right? You, you I mean, he, was that, he was that good in the summer uh, when they played in Canada and he, he figures to be the third consecutive lottery pick to come out of Baylor Davion, uh, Mitchell, Sohan, and now Keontae George at this point is projected to be a lottery pick. Yeah, um, he's terrific. I saw him at the Iverson Classic uh, back in April. He was uh, named MVP of his team. He's a six-four guard who can play comfortably with LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, and that's why I'm high on Baylor. Like that, that who's? I, I mean, I don't want to catch off the top of your head here, but in terms of three-guard lineups. Uh, how many teams are doing better than LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, and Keontae George? It's a good question. There might be one or two uh, nominees out there, but when you say that, yeah, I mean, especially if Flagler and Cryer, who dealt with injuries this offseason, right. we can get to their stuff in a second here, but um, yeah, I mean, and, and Drew's obviously won with that combination before. Literally won the whole damn thing with arguably the best backcourt in the country. Multi-head, three-person attack. So yeah, there's there's many reasons to be optimistic if you're a Baylor fan that you can be relevant top 10 good again. You mentioned uh, the injuries. You know, LJ Cryer only played 19 games last season. Uh, only played one time after January 25th. You remember, they kept listing him as uh, questionable, but it became pretty yeah. clear um, as February turned to March, that he just was not going to play again uh, last season. They also lost Jonathan Chamwachachua to a season-ending knee injury on February 25th. So th that's pretty wild. That Not only did Baylor get a one seed for, if we'd have had a uh, 2020 NCAA tournament, it would have been three straight years. They did it after losing LJ Cryer and Jonathan Chamwachachua, like two important rotation players uh, mid-season. You know, Cryer ended up, uh, finishing second on the team in points per game. And if I remember correctly, at the time he went down, he was maybe the leading scorer on 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 the team. So losing him was, um, you know, if you're trying to figure out why they didn't advance further in the NCAA tournament, uh, him not being available, like he helped them build in part that one seed resume, but he wasn't able to be a part 
of 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 the team playing in the NCAA tournament. I you could go back and listen to podcasts heading into the NCAA tournament. I always thought Baylor would be the most vulnerable one seed uh, because they were missing you know, two ro- two important rotation players. Um, Cryer should be fine to start the season. Although, like you pointed out, he didn't play in Canada. Adam Flagler didn't play in Canada. Um, Jonathan Chamwachachua didn't play in Canada. Langston Love didn't play in Canada. So it didn't go too well for Baylor on that trip, but like they're missing four of, of, of their best players. I, I mentioned, um, well, let me just real quick and we can put a button on Ch- uh, Jonathan Chamwachachua. That was a devastating knee injury. I believe he tore multiple ligaments. And so it's unclear when he'll be ready to go. But but getting LJ Cryer back, uh, theoretically, to start the season should be huge. Langston Love, another guy that didn't play in Canada. If you remember, he's the you know former top 50 prospect class of 2021 who tore his ACL last preseason. So he's technically a newcomer, too, and, and could be a, a, a valuable uh, piece. So uh, you know, not knowing uh, exactly what Jonathan Chamuachacha was going to look like post injury and when he's going to be available that's a that's an uncertainty that that i think is reasonable to to create some skepticism that they can really keep performing at the tip top of the sport but broadly speaking i i really like the the roster and you mentioned the 81 and 13 over the past 3 seasons 42 and 8 in the big 12 over the past 3 seasons which is just ridiculous given that that has consistently been a top two conference in college basketball. Uh, it's outrageous. Uh, it, it, you know, maybe they can get it, keep it going again. You know, getting Everyday John back, Cryer, Flagler. I am interested to see Langston Love. Yes, he did tear uh, an ACL last October. And none of those, as you mentioned, none of those four played in the Global Jam. Uh, had they played, Baylor would have won. They lost to uh, Canada uh, in that. But Keontae George was just, he was... He was awesome. Uh, he had 37 in one game, averaged 22.8 points. Should be a top five freshman in the sport next season, I would have to think. At least he objectively should be rated as that going into the season. And, I, you know, I, I tend to lean into the fun storylines that aren't every year occurrences. And, yes, Baylor has had lottery pick talent, uh, but it's not often that we head into a season saying, uh, Baylor's going to have a, a a freshman guard who's going to be among the best in the sport. Kendall Brown had some buzz going into that last season. There's no doubt about it. And then we see how that turned out. So there are no guarantees. Kendall Brown did wind up getting drafted. He went late in the second round. But three weeks into the season, a year ago, Kendall Brown was projected as a lottery pick. Things change. We'll see what happens with Keontae George. But there's a lot to like about him. If you're listening to this podcast, you are either a college basketball diehard or a Baylor fan. And Baylor fans, no doubt, uh, made sure that they got to see Keontae George play or at the very least caught the highlights on social media or YouTube after. And you just look at the way he plays and you can so clearly see how he should be an immediate impact player there. You know, if he stays healthy, I think Scott Drew has every intention of helping turn him into a star because almost by necessity, uh, he will become that. Cryer and Flagler are also very, very good veteran players. George is so just preternaturally gifted when it comes to playing uh, basketball. So I can't wait to I can't wait to see Baylor on the floor with him out there. From a schedule perspective, Baylor's going to play Virginia in the Continental Tire event in Las Vegas, which should be a, a really terrific game. Obviously, a matchup between two programs that have recent national champion 
chips. And Virginia, I expect to take a nudge up from what they were a season ago. And then either Baylor will play either Illinois, could face Matthew Meyer in that game, or UCLA, depending on uh, how results go in the second one. They're also hosting Arkansas in late January, which could be a top 10 matchup. Right now, that has potential to be a top 10 matchup. We're talking about either the best or most interesting programs in this uh, shoot-around series. We've already done Arkansas. Here we, are on, here we are on Baylor. Hogs and Bears will meet in January. Other games, non-conference of note, they'll play at Marquette. I love it. And then they'll play Gonzaga on a neutral. They'll play Washington on a neutral. There's a lot to like about how Scott Drew has scheduled. They'll play six notable power conference, non-conference games, uh, with one of them being uh, on the road, which I like to see there. Overall, there's you know there's a lot to uh, to be encouraged by if you're a Baylor fan. But again, can you can you sustain it? Can you keep it up from a top ten perspective? If you don't, it's fine, GP. But uh, it's hard to do year in year out. And to me, if Baylor can do it again for one more season, then it's almost like if you keep the head coach in place, you you can sustain it because more players will either want to transfer to you. Recruiting gets just gets that much easier. Uh, obviously, the Big Twelve has a shift in its conference makeup coming next year with the influx of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. So we'll see. But uh, but I wouldn't put it past Baylor to, to you know if we're looking up Selection Sunday, twenty twenty three. And the Bears are two seed. Uh, I, that would not surprise me whatsoever. You mentioned playing Arkansas in January. That's SEC Big Twelve Challenge trivia time. Let's go. What program, either in the SEC or the Big Twelve, has the best SEC Big Twelve Challenge record of all time? All right. So a couple of ways to interpret this unexpected trivia time. First of all, the answer you want to say is Kansas, but Kansas, by virtue of being Kansas, normally gets the toughest opponent. So it might not necessarily be Kansas. The other way you could think about this is, well, is it either Arkansas or Baylor? Because we're talking about Baylor here. I will lean into that and I will say that, I, first of all, this has been going on for, what, eight years, nine years, the SEC Big 12 deal? maybe Nine, nine at least nine. All right. Give me Baylor. That's a that's a winner. Baylor seven oh. seven and two in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. But you're right. Um, the context matters. Kansas is typically going to get the, the the most difficult SEC matchup, and so not, not trying to discount it. Like let's just leave it yeah. there. Seven. And, I'm not I'm not going to be the one being disrespectful to Hawk and the entire Drew family. Seven and two. That's Baylor's record in the SEC uh, Big 12 Challenge. They're also bringing in a couple transfers that are notable. I think Jalen Bridges, 6'7", forward out of West Virginia, averaged 8.4 points, 4.8 rebounds in 26.8 minutes per game last season. Also, Caleb Lohner, he played at BYU last season, 7.6 rebounds a game. Um, He's from Dallas originally, so he's coming back to his home state. And as we're talking about uh, the people who are coming in and the people who are leaving, should be noted uh, Jerome Tang uh, is no longer on staff at Baylor. Now the head coach at Kansas State. And when I was, I didn't even, I didn't hear about this when it happened, uh, but it made me smile when I saw it. Uh, Baylor did make a hire uh, earlier this off season uh, for a director of player development. Do you know who is now the first year director of player development at Baylor? No, I no clue. Tweety Carter. Nice. nice. <laughs> we love it. Love Tweety Carter being back love in college. It. We basketball. absolutely love it. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, 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 Jerome Tang was a big, and Scott would tell you this, Jerome was a big part of everything they built 
at Baylor and everything they were able to sustain at Baylor. So um, losing him is great for Jerome Tang because he's the head, you know, he's a Big 12 head coach now, long overdue to get that, um, you know, big head coaching opportunity, by the way. Um, but I, I it, you know, Scott has lost awesome assistants, um, you know, over and over again. And it really hasn't, the program hasn't slipped yet. So hopefully for Baylor, that continues to be true. But I, I did think it's worth pointing out, Jerome Tang, who was a big part of what they built, like I said, um, is is now the head coach at, at Kansas State. And so that'll be um, a neat little in-season thing as well when when Jerome Tang comes back to Baylor to coach against the Bears for the first time. Uh, a significant part. I mean, Scott might even uh, insist that uh, he has as much to do with it as, as Scott himself. Tang was there since 03. I mean, I believe he was a high school coach then joins Drew's staff again in 2003 when Scott Drew gets the job and no one wants the Baylor job, right? I mean, it is, it is a smoldering crater of a program that um, some at the time were arguing should not even exist anymore. Scott Drew leaves after a season at Valpo, takes the job, Tang joins him, and over the course of two decades, I don't know. I don't. Mm, I wonder if Tang was the longest tenured assistant in a power conference. Maybe there's someone else that's been there. I mean, we're going on 19 years. He might well have been. I don't. I don't have the fact check trivia time for you on that GP. But his name, particularly in the past three or four years, as Baylor continued to ascend, and he had put in his dues. It's like when is Jerome Tang going to get a job? Now, to be to be fair, I talked with Jerome about this after he got K State. I mean, he did turn. At what what happens sometimes is you get to a certain level and you're like, I'm just straight. I'm just straight up not taking a Southland head coaching job. I'm not going to do that. I like where I'm at. If I'm going to take a job, I'm going to wait for the right job for me because I feel like I've earned it. Jerome felt that way, and it paid off. He's going to coach at Kansas State and he's going to do a good job there. But no Tang on the sidelines in that in that coaching room, helping recruit to this program and coach, uh, that could be a significant thing. We'll see. Not having him there has obviously probably felt a little bit weird for Scott, but I know he's thrilled for him all the same. One quick last note on Baylor from me, GP. Um, I got to mention one of the most baller names in all of college basketball, Flo Thamba. One of the best names four years running in this sport. Is he finally going to have his breakout season? He's not one name we haven't mentioned here who I think could wind up being, uh, maybe he winds up being the difference between Baylor being first and second in the Big 12 or, or third and fourth. He's 6'10 center. He averaged 6.2 points, 5.6 boards in 20 minutes a game last season. Those are respectable numbers, but I feel like he's got to nudge those averages up to the likes of maybe 10 and 8 to help ensure Baylor's, you know, a top two team in what should be a great again Big 12. So just keep an eye on that. Thamba is the guy that um, coaches will say this all the time. Like, you guys always write about player A and player B and, and talk about player C. But to us, it's what player D or E is doing that really is, is making the difference. Thamba could be that guy for Baylor. And particularly his presence as a big could wind up being a huge. Can he make that jump? We wait and see. But that's uh, that's pretty much a full roster rundown on what can be a, a pretty... I think, it, again, bottom line for me, GP, I'd be surprised if Baylor was not entertaining to watch yet again. And this is coming off of just an absolutely absurd and controversial comeback collapse against UNC in the second round. Carolina obviously survived what made it all the way to the title game, but holy hell, what a tournament game and like what a rally that was. There are so many facets and factors to that game. That's the last time we saw Baylor play. The next time we'll see him will be in November and they figure to be preseason GP. And where'd you say you have them right now? I got them seven. I think they'll be preseason top 10. They'll probably be anywhere from seven to, I'll say 12, just to be safe. They'll be somewhere in that realm once they uh, tip it off in November. Good things on the horizon for Scott Drew and, of course, Kelly 
Mackenzie, Peyton, and Brody. Homer and Janet, Bryce and Tara. Dana and her husband, Casey. Bryce and Anna, Isaiah, Caleb, and and Luke. Plus Hawk, of course. It's Bryce, incredible. Bryce doesn't care. I'm, I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain he does. Deep down somewhere, he has to... He has to care at least a little bit. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Lauren Hell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you are not subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Apple. Leave a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. It needs to be reflected in the reviews. Five stars, please. We'll talk to you again real soon. Creighton's up next. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.